0: Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Uh-huh. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guy. It's time to make changes, bring interviews and radical education. yeah, yeah. Welcome to another we episode really of a Radical Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bayliss, and today we're diving into a topic that's as explosive as it is misunderstood. But first, let's start with a question. Why are anarchists often depicted with excess facial hair, wearing masks, and often carrying a cartoon bomb? You know, the round ball with a lit fuse sticking out of the top. Think about it. This image has been ingrained in our cultural psyche. But where does it come from, and what does it really mean? This caricature of the wild-eyed anarchist with a bomb is far from an arbitrary creation. It's steeped in cultural stereotypes and media representations that have been shaped over more than a century. This image has served as a tool for the ruling class to demonize and ridicule the anarchist movement, which fundamentally challenges oppressive systems. Through various media outlets, the ruling class often employed these caricatures as a form of counter-propaganda. By portraying anarchists as irrational and violent bomb-throwers, they aim to instill fear and mistrust among the public. This tactic was partly a response to the threat that anarchist ideas posed to established power structures. The prospect of a society reimagined along the lines of equality and mutual aid was seen as a direct challenge to the status quo. But do stereotypes sometimes contain a grain of truth? In the case of anarchism, its history did indeed have individuals who resorted to bombings as a form of political statement, known as propaganda by the deed. While representing only a fraction of the anarchist movement, authorities in the media seize these actions to paint the entire movement with a broad and often negative brush. This oversimplification glosses over the diverse and complex nature of anarchism, which encompasses a range of philosophies and tactics, many of which advocate for peaceful and constructive forms of social change. Yet, the enduring image of the bomb-toting anarchist is a testament to the power of propaganda both in its ability to distort and in its capacity to reveal certain truths. Today, we dive into the concept of propaganda by the deed, exploring its origins, implications, and how it has been both a strategy and a symbol in the story of anarchism. When we think of propaganda by the deed, it's easy to conjure images of violence and upheaval. Yet, this strategy embodies a deeper and more strategic concept than mere chaos. At its heart, Propaganda by the Deed is about enacting specific political direct actions that are symbolic and exemplary in nature, designed to ignite broader revolutionary change. The essence of this approach lies in its intent to serve as a catalyst for revolution. It's about taking actions that are so impactful and emblematic that they resonate beyond their immediate context, inspiring others to join the movement and challenge the established order. This strategy goes beyond mere demonstration. It is a deliberate and often provocative act meant to disrupt the status quo and provoke a response that leads to wider social and political transformation revolution while historically associated with acts of violence propaganda by the deed in its broader interpretation is about powerful decisive action that serves as a turning point galvanizing people and paving the way for revolutionary shifts it's a method that various movements throughout history have adopted, each interpreting and applying it to align with their specific goals and contexts, but always with the underlying objective of sparking significant change. In discussing propaganda by the deed, it's crucial to understand this core principle, its role as a catalyst for revolution. It's about creating moments so compelling and confrontational that they become a rallying cry for broader societal change challenging people to rethink their perceptions and engage in the struggle for a radically different future. It's important to note that not all actions under this banner are exclusively violent. The broader definition also encompasses nonviolent acts of powerful resistance, reflecting the diversity and adaptability of the strategy. Additionally, the success of these tactics is not guaranteed. Some instances of propaganda by deed might backfire, alienate the public, Or fail to spark the intended revolution. In today's episode, we will unravel the intricate tapestry of propaganda by the deed from its roots in the turbulent world of late 19th century Europe through the minds of revolutionary thinkers like Mikhail Bakunin and Peter Kropotkin to the dramatic and often violent actions that shook the world. We'll explore how what started as a radical idea turned into a global phenomenon changing the course of the anarchist movement and influencing generations of anarchists. So stay with us as we dive into the world of Johann Most, Alexander Berkman, Clément Duval, and many others. We'll look at how their actions shape the perception of anarchy and influence the tactics of resistance worldwide. We'll also tackle the tough questions about the ethics of such actions and their place in contemporary activism. It will be a journey through time, ideas, and the essence of radical resistance. Let's go! To truly grasp the essence of propaganda by the deed, we must turn back the pages of history to late 19th century Europe. It was a time of immense social and political upheaval. The Industrial Revolution transformed the work landscape and society, creating stark divides between the haves and the have nots monarchies and empires were grappling with rising demands for democracy and social justice. New ideas about politics and society were brewing in this cauldron of change. In the diverse landscape of anarchist thought, Mikhail Bakunin and Peter Kropotkin emerge as significant figures, each presenting distinct approaches to anarchism. While influential, it's important to recognize that their visions for society were part of a broader and often contentious debate within the movement. With his fervent advocacy for direct action, Mikhail Bakunin left a notable imprint on anarchist tactics. Born into Russian nobility, Bakunin's radical journey led him to oppose state and hierarchical structures vehemently. He championed direct, immediate action by the people, seeing this as a critical method of instigating change. In 1870, he famously declared, Now we all have to embark together on the revolutionary ocean, and henceforth spread our principles no longer by words, but by deeds. Bakunin's stance on using direct and, at times, confrontational action significantly influenced the tactics of propaganda by deed, though it was met with both adherence and criticism within anarchist circles. Contrastingly, Peter Kropotkin, a scientist by training, infused his anarchist philosophy with the concept of mutual aid, drawn from his observations of cooperation in nature. He envisioned a society built on solidarity and communal support, diverging from Bakunin's emphasis on confrontation. Kropotkin's approach highlighted the constructive side of anarchism, focusing on creating a new society based on mutual support and cooperative living. While resonating with many, his theories also faced skepticism from those who questioned their practicality and impact on the immediate struggle against state power. The differing views of Bakunin and Kropotkin illustrate the rich spectrum of thought within anarchism regarding strategies for societal change. Bakunin's call for direct and disruptive action and Kropotkin's advocacy for constructive and cooperative approaches represent varied interpretations of how to achieve a stateless, egalitarian society. This diversity of thought has fueled ongoing debates within anarchism, shaping its evolution and reflecting the movement's dynamic nature. Such discussions continue to influence how contemporary anarchists interpret and apply the concept of propaganda by deed, each aligning it with their specific philosophical leanings and objectives. Now, traditional methods of spreading these revolutionary ideas included pamphlets, speeches, and debates. But words can only travel so far when they're up against the deafening noise of industrial and state power. Frustration with the limitations of spoken and written advocacy began to mount. Anarchists started to believe that a more direct approach was needed, one that couldn't be ignored. This is where we see the birth of propaganda by the deed. The idea was simple yet profound. Actions, especially dramatic and public ones, could speak louder than any speech or pamphlet. They could ignite the spark of rebellion in a way that words alone never could. This shift wasn't just a change in tactics. It was a philosophical evolution, a recognition that a more visceral form of communication was needed to shake the masses out of apathy. And so the stage was set for a series of actions that would leave an indelible mark on the history of anarchism and forever change the way the movement was perceived. To grasp the essence of propaganda by deed, we must first understand its roots in anarchist thought. Anarchism fundamentally is about dismantling hierarchical structures and advocating for a society based on voluntary cooperation and mutual aid. Propaganda by Deed fits into this framework as an embodiment of direct action. It's a call for individuals and communities to initiate change themselves rather than depending on institutions or governments to do so. This approach is not just a critique of the existing order, it's an active demonstration of the anarchist ideal a society where actions are direct and unmediated, arising organically from the needs and wills of the people. Central to propaganda by the deed, direct action is envisioned as a key catalyst for societal change. This philosophy posits that impactful, visible actions can effectively awaken public consciousness and spur collective action, reaching beyond the limitations of traditional advocacy. Such actions, ranging from symbolic gestures to more forceful interventions, are seen as direct expressions of the anarchist goal to enact change, not through hierarchical systems, but through immediate autonomous action by individuals and communities. Yet, this approach, especially in its more radical forms, has sparked debates about its effectiveness and ethical ramifications, reflecting the diverse perspectives of the anarchist movement. Understanding propaganda by deed also involves contrasting it with Marxism, another dominant revolutionary ideology of the era. Both anarchism and Marxism critique capitalist structures and envision a classless society, but their methodologies diverge significantly. Marxism, rooted in the works of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, emphasizes the role of the proletariat in dismantling capitalism through an organized, collective struggle led by a vanguard party. It views the state as a tool to be seized and used for dismantling capitalist structures and building a socialist society. Anarchism, and by extension propaganda by deed, rejects the use of the state, seeing it as intrinsically oppressive. Instead, it calls for immediate action to disrupt and dismantle state structures, emphasizing individual and small group initiatives rather than a collective, state-centric approach. This distinction highlights the fundamental differences in views on the nature of state power, the role of the individual versus the collective, and the paths to societal transformation. In exploring key figures in the propaganda by deed movement, Johann Most stands out. His life and work provide a window into the fiery heart of anarchist activism in the late 19th century. Born in 1846 in Augsburg, Bavaria, Most started as a bookbinder but his experiences with poverty and injustice propelled him into the realm of political activism. Initially involved in the socialist movement in Germany, most confrontations with state authorities, including imprisonment for his beliefs, led him to embrace anarchism. He became a formidable orator and writer, using his skills to advocate for radical change. Fleeing political repression in Germany, most continued his activism in England and later in the United States, becoming a transatlantic voice of anarchism. Most's advocacy for violent action peaked with his pamphlet, The Science of Revolutionary Warfare, originally titled Revolutionäre Kriegswissenschaft, and published in 1883. This was a manual on explosives. It encapsulated Most's belief that dramatic and radical actions were necessary to awaken the public and inspire them to confront their oppression. He famously stated, The existing system will be quickest and most radically overthrown by the annihilation of its exponents. Therefore, massacres of the enemies of the people must be set in motion. This stance earned him the moniker Dynamost, a testament to his advocacy for using dynamite as a tool for revolutionary struggle. Most's approach to revolution was grounded in the conviction that only through visible, impactful acts could the masses be spurred into revolutionary action. However, this stance was contentious. Within the anarchist community, debates raged over the morality and effectiveness of such tactics. Critics argued that violence might detract from the movement's goals and alienate potential allies. Despite these controversies, Johann Most's influence on the anarchist movement and the strategy of propaganda by deed was profound. He was not just a theorist, but also a practitioner, and his legacy in shaping the discourse around direct action is undeniable. In the Saga of Propaganda by Deed, Alexander Berkman's story is profoundly tied to one of American history's most significant labor conflicts, the Homestead Strike of 1892. This event not only defined Berkman's path, but also left an indelible mark on the labor and anarchist movements. Born in the Russian Empire and radicalized in New York's burgeoning anarchist community, Berkman was deeply affected by the events at the Homestead Steel Works in Pennsylvania. There, workers faced off against the Carnegie Steel Company battling wage cuts and oppressive conditions under manager Henry Clay Frick, notorious for his anti-union stance. The conflict escalated when Frick hired the Pinkerton detective agency to break the strike. Known for suppressing labor movements, the Pinkerton's arrival at the plant led to a deadly confrontation, with several workers losing their lives. This clash symbolized the brutal lengths industrialists would go to suppress workers' rights. For Berkman, this was a pivotal moment. Along with Emma Goldman, an influential anarchist activist, and modest Ehrenstam, a fellow radical, he was deeply moved by the workers' plight and outraged by the violence. They decided that a dramatic response was necessary, believing that assassinating Frick would ignite a revolutionary movement against the capitalist system. Determined, Berkman journeyed to Pittsburgh to carry out his plan. His assassination attempt on Frick, though unsuccessful, became a defining moment in labor activism and anarchism, highlighting intense debates about violence, individual actions, and broader social change strategies. This act received varied reactions within the anarchist community. Peter Kropotkin offered a nuanced critique while never outright condemning Berkman's action. In Act for Yourself, he argued that acts of isolated individuals, however heroic they may be, can only produce partial and temporary results, emphasizing the need for collective action. In The Conquest of Bread, published the same year as Berkman's attempt, Kropotkin criticized acts of revenge, stating that the anarchist ideal excludes not only all vengeance, but all hatred, for hatred can only engender fresh acts of violence. His concerns highlighted the potential negative consequences of such actions, including harming the public perception of anarchism and hindering its progress. Berkman's actions and Kropotkin's response reflect the complex dynamics within the anarchist movement. They underscore the ongoing debate over immediate action versus a broader vision of societal change based on anarchist principles. In the realm of propaganda by deed, Clement Duval stands as a significant figure. His life, marked by bold acts against authority, encapsulates the spirit of anarchist defiance and the controversial tactic of illegalism. Duval, a French anarchist born in 1850, became particularly notorious for an act of illegalism in 1886. Illegalism, embraced by some anarchists, involved direct actions such as expropriation against the wealthy elite as a form of social justice. Duval's most famous act was the burglary of a mansion belonging to a Parisian socialite, from which he stole 5,000 francs. This act was not just a theft, but a symbolic gesture against the vast wealth disparities in late 19th century France, and a practical means to support anarchist activities. The aftermath of the burglary saw Duval engaged in a violent confrontation with police. When cornered, he defended himself fiercely, injuring two officers before being captured. This incident led to his arrest and subsequent trial, a process that Duval transformed into a platform for his anarchist beliefs. During his trial, Duval remained undaunted. He used this opportunity to articulate his principles Asserting that his actions were justified as a means to combat a system rife with inequality and injustice. His trial became more than just a legal proceeding, it was a public display of anarchist defiance against the state and capitalist structures. In an excerpt of his defense speech, he said While I do not recognize your right to pose to me the questions that you have, I have responded to you as the accused. Now you are the ones that I am accusing. I do not pretend to defend myself. To what end would this serve me, in front of those as well-armed as you, having soldiers, cannons, police, and finally an army of mercenaries as your henchmen? Let's be logical. You are in power, taking advantage of it. And if you still need the head of yet another anarchist, take it. And when our day comes, we will take this into account. And I have the firm hope that on that day, the anarchists will rise to the occasion. They will be without pity, because never will they reach the number of your victims. It is not only you who I am addressing, but to all of this selfish, cruel, corrupt society, where on one side we see an orgy, and on the other misery. You have accused me of theft, as if a worker that has nothing could be a thief. No, theft exists only in the exploitation of man by man, in a word by those who live at the expense of the working class. It was not a theft that I committed, but a just restitution made in the name of humanity. This money was to serve for making revolutionary propaganda through writing and by the deed, to make newspapers and leaflets to show people the truth. It has been a long time that they have been deceived, to show the cure to those who are ill. I busy myself with the chemistry and prepare what is needed for the day of battle, the day when the workers, conscious, will leave their torpor, their slump. Because it is time that this diabolic machination of the old world disappear, to give place to institutions where all will find a fate that is more fair, which does not exist but within anarchist communism. Because anarchy is the negation of all authority, and anarchy is the biggest social wound, because man is not free, and one must become free to do all that one wants, as long as one does not infringe upon the liberty of their fellow. Of then, one would become a despot in turn." I have put the link to the full defense speech in the description of this episode. Despite being sentenced to death, a sentence later commuted to life in the penal colony of French Guiana, Duval's spirit of resistance never wavered. His numerous escape attempts and eventual successful escape to New York in 1901 further cemented his status as a symbol of anarchist resilience. Living until 1935, Duval's legacy extends far beyond his acts of illegalism. He represents the enduring fight against oppression, inspiring generations of anarchists and radicals who view him as a symbol of unyielding struggle for justice and freedom. While figures like Johann Most, Alexander Berkman, and Clément Duval are central to the narrative of propaganda by deed, there are other pivotal events and individuals that significantly shaped its history. A key incident in the annals of propaganda by deed is the assassination of Empress Elizabeth of Austria in 1898. Luigi Luceni, an Italian anarchist, targeted the beloved empress, known as Sisi, as a symbolic strike against the monarchy. Luceni's act was more than an assassination, it was a calculated political statement against aristocratic oppression and a bid to inspire resistance against the ruling class. This controversial decision, even among anarchists, sparked debate about the effectiveness and morality of targeting symbolic figures. In a grisly postscript to this story, after Luceni's execution, his head was severed and his brain was examined in the belief that physical traits could explain criminal behavior. His head, preserved in formaldehyde, was put on public display, illustrating the era's fascination with phrenology and criminal psychology. In a poignant turn of events, Luceni's skull was finally laid to rest in February 2000, not far from where Empress Elizabeth lies in the Imperial Crypt. This final act, occurring over a century later, closed a dark chapter in the history of propaganda by deed, linking Luceney and Elizabeth in death as they had been in life. In the realm of propaganda by deed, the Bonneau gang, active in early 20th century France, stands as a pivotal example. Led by Jules Bonneau, this group of anarchists and illegalists used the novel technology of automobiles in their daring operations, targeting banks and wealthy individuals. The Bonnet Gang's activities represent a significant evolution in the concept of propaganda by deed. Illegalism, the practice they embraced, involved direct actions like expropriation and robbery as forms of protest against capitalist institutions. These acts were seen by the gang and some supporters as legitimate forms of reclaiming wealth from the elite, a tangible way to challenge and disrupt the existing economic system. However, their methods of direct action, often violent and criminal in nature, sparked intense debate within the anarchist community. The discussion centered on whether such extreme measures truly aligned with anarchist principles and whether they effectively advanced the cause. The gang's eventual violent clash with the police, leading to several deaths, brought these debates into sharp focus. These events, the assassination of Empress Elizabeth and the criminal activities of the Bonnet gang, underscore the diversity and controversy inherent in propaganda by the deed. They show the ideological struggles within the anarchist movement and the varied interpretations of how best to achieve radical societal change. Propaganda by deed as a strategy and ideology wasn't confined to just one region or country. It resonated across borders, influencing movements and individuals globally. Let's explore how this concept spread and adapted in various parts of the world. In examining the spread of propaganda by deed across Europe, we must accurately represent the contributions of key figures like Errico Malatesta and Emile Henry. Each played a unique role in shaping and interpreting this concept. Errico Malatesta, while known for his advocacy of direct action, had a complex relationship with the concept of propaganda by deed as it was classically defined. Born in 1853 in Italy, Malatesta's early exposure to revolutionary thought shaped his approach to anarchism. Though he participated in insurrections and strongly supported direct action, his interpretation of propaganda by deed was more nuanced. Malatesta often emphasized the importance of insurrectionary actions as a means to agitate and inspire the working class, but he also cautioned against acts that could isolate the movement from public support. His participation in various uprisings across Europe and his tireless work in promoting anarchist ideas through writing and organizing reflect a broader interpretation of direct action, one that balanced the need for immediate action with the long-term goal of building a mass anarchist movement. Emile Henry, on the other hand, more directly embodied the classic form of propaganda by deed. His actions, notably the bombing of the Café Terminus in Paris, were driven by a belief in the need for dramatic, even violent, acts to draw attention to the injustices of the capitalist system. Henry's approach was that of a radical individualist, using targeted violence as a tool to provoke societal change and challenge the complacency of the bourgeoisie. Henry's acts and the ensuing public reaction highlight the contentious nature of propaganda by deed. While some viewed him as a heroic figure making a bold stand against oppression, others critique the efficacy and morality of such violent tactics. Henry's story is a poignant example of the internal debates within the anarchist movement regarding the use of violence and the risks of alienating broader public support. In the United States, propaganda by deed took on a different flavor. The vast immigrant population, many of whom were fleeing political repression in Europe, brought with them radical ideas. The period leading up to and following the infamous Haymarket Affair of 1886 saw a surge in anarchist activity. Figures like Emma Goldman and Alexander Berkman, influenced by the likes of Johann Most, sought to address the unique socio-political challenges of the American context, blending anarchism with the fight for labor rights and social justice. A pivotal moment in American anarchism's history was President William McKinley's assassination in 1901. The assassin Leon Czolgosz, a Polish immigrant influenced by anarchist ideology, believed in taking direct action against symbols of authority. This act was emblematic of propaganda by DEED, a dramatic, violent protest against the existing power structure. McKinley's assassination by an anarchist sparked a significant outcry and led to a widespread public backlash against anarchists and radical activists. The event underscored the potent, often divisive, nature of propaganda by DEED. While it brought attention to anarchist ideas, it also ignited a debate over the movement's tactics and its ethical implications. This incident is a stark example of how such direct actions could have far-reaching consequences beyond the immediate political statement. The reaction from the U.S. government was immediate and substantial. In 1903, Congress passed the Anarchist Exclusion Act, specifically targeting anarchists. This legislation prohibited foreign anarchists from entering or residing in the country, reflecting the growing apprehension and hostility towards radical political ideologies. This act represented a significant shift in US immigration policy, directly influenced by the perceived threat of anarchism in the wake of the assassination. This period in the early 20th century highlights the complex interplay between radical political movements and the broader societal and political structures in America. The assassination of McKinley and the subsequent legislative crackdown on anarchism demonstrate how actions categorized as propaganda by deed influenced the anarchist movement's trajectory and had a lasting impact on national policy and public attitudes towards radical activism. In Latin America, the concept of propaganda by deed took on a distinct character, intertwining with the region's complex history of colonialism, post-colonial struggles, and unique social dynamics. Argentina, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, became a hotbed for anarchist activity. The influx of European immigrants, many of whom were anarchists, brought these radical ideas to Argentine soil. Cities like Buenos Aires saw the emergence of a strong labor movement, Deeply influenced by anarchist philosophy. Anarchists played a crucial role in organizing workers and advocating for labor rights, often leading strikes and labor actions. One notable figure was Severino Di Giovanni, who embodied the more radical aspects of propaganda by deed with his involvement in a series of bombings in the late 1920s, targeting symbols of the establishment and the United States' influence in Argentina. In Brazil, anarchism also found fertile ground particularly in the early 20th century. The country's rapid industrialization brought significant social changes, and anarchists became active in organizing labor unions and strikes. One of the key moments was the Sao Paulo General Strike of 1917, where anarchists played a leading role. This strike was a significant demonstration of workers' power and highlighted the influence of anarchist thought in shaping labor movements in Brazil. Figures like Edgar Lewinroth, a journalist and labor activist, were instrumental in spreading anarchist ideas through newspapers and labor unions. Across Latin America, anarchists also focused on education as a means of social revolution. They established cultural centers, schools, and libraries aiming to educate the working class and promote anarchist principles. This approach to propaganda by deed was less about violent acts and more about empowering the populace through knowledge and collective action. The emphasis was on building a society based on mutual aid and cooperation from the ground up. The experience of Latin America shows how propaganda by deed was adapted to local contexts, merging with indigenous and regional struggles. While there were instances of violence and radical actions, much of the anarchist movement in this region concentrated on labor organizing, education, and community building. These efforts were pivotal in shaping the social and political landscape of Latin American countries, illustrating the diverse applications of anarchist principles in different cultural settings. Turning our attention to Asia, we find that the concept of propaganda by deed, while echoing global anarchist trends, took on distinct forms here, influenced by the region's unique political and cultural landscapes. In Japan, the anarchist movement saw figures like Osugi Sakai advocating for and participating in actions that resonated with the principles of propaganda by deed. Osugi's involvement in labor strikes and anti-war protests, especially during the tumultuous periods of World War I and the Rice Riots of 1918, represented a direct challenge to authority and existing social structures. While these actions were not always violent, they were significant in their assertive stand against oppression embodying the spirit of propaganda by deed within the Japanese context. China's experience with anarchism, particularly around the time of the Xinhai Revolution in 1911, showcased a more revolutionary form of the movement. Inspired by Kropotkin's ideals, anarchists like Shifu pushed for direct action against feudalism and imperialism. Their involvement in the revolution and labor movements, though not explicitly labeled as propaganda by deed, shared its ethos in actively confronting and seeking to dismantle oppressive systems. The adoption of anarchism in Asia, while not marked by the same level of violent acts seen in other regions, was nonetheless characterized by a strong emphasis on direct, assertive action. This included participation in strikes, protests, and revolutionary movements, all aimed at social and political transformation. The unique cultural and political context of Japan and China shaped these actions, reflecting a diverse interpretation of anarchist principles. Asia's narrative in the history of propaganda by Deed highlights the strategy's versatility and ability to adapt to different environments. It showcases how fundamental ideas of direct action and resistance can manifest in varied forms, each influenced by the specific needs and contexts of the societies in which they occur. Throughout the world, propaganda by deed was not a monolithic concept, but a dynamic one, evolving and adapting to the local socio-political realities. Whether through violent acts, labor strikes, or intellectual discourse, it left a mark on the global stage of political activism. This spread underscores the concept's universality in its appeal to those seeking radical change and its adaptability in addressing the specific challenges and injustices of different societies. While the core definition of propaganda by deed has remained largely unchanged since its conception, its manifestations have evolved significantly, shaped by ongoing debates and ethical considerations within the anarchist movement. Originally, propaganda by deed was defined as a form of specific political direct action meant to be exemplary to others and serve as a catalyst for revolution this definition has fundamentally stayed the same over time emphasizing the importance of actions that are both demonstrative and inspirational in nature intended to ignite broader societal change however the way this concept has been put into practice has seen considerable evolution in the early days it often involved dramatic sometimes violent actions believed to be necessary for drawing attention to the anarchist cause and sparking revolutionary fervor over time This approach faced internal critiques, particularly regarding its ethical implications and effectiveness. Many within the anarchist community began to question whether violence aligned with the movement's core values of voluntary cooperation and non-oppression. These debates have led to a diversification in the tactics associated with propaganda by deed. While the original notion included a propensity for dramatic actions, modern interpretations have increasingly leaned towards nonviolent forms of direct action. Today, many anarchists advocate for methods like labor organizing, community engagement, and educational outreach, seeing these as more aligned with mutual aid principles and potentially more effective in creating sustainable change. This shift reflects a broader reevaluation within the anarchist movement of how best to achieve social and political transformation. It underscores a commitment to constant introspection and adaptation, ensuring that the methods employed are not only effective, but also ethically sound. The legacy of propaganda by deed, therefore, is not just about the specific actions undertaken in its name, but also about the ongoing discourse it has spurred within anarchism about the nature of revolutionary action and its impact on society. While the essence of propaganda by deed as a catalyst for change remains, its application continues to be shaped by a dynamic and reflective anarchist movement. This ongoing evolution highlights the movement's resilience and its capacity to adapt to changing social and political landscapes. The concept of propaganda by deed initially rooted in the idea of sparking revolutionary change, continues to influence modern activism, albeit in evolved forms. Today's movements that draw on this legacy often aim for systemic change, extending beyond policy reforms to challenge underlying societal structures. A relevant example in the modern context is the resurgence of anti-capitalist and anti-globalization movements. These groups often employ direct action tactics reminiscent of propaganda by deed to challenge the foundations of the global economic system. Movements like Occupy Wall Street, which began in 2011, used occupations and large-scale demonstrations to target financial institutions, symbolizing economic inequality. Their approach aiming for a radical restructuring of economic systems echoes the transformative ambitions of propaganda by deed. Another instance is the rise of certain anarchist and autonomous collectives that engage in direct actions against state and corporate entities. These groups often operate based on principles of decentralization and mutual aid, striving for a radical reimagining of societal organization. Their tactics, which can include property destruction, digital activism, and creating autonomous zones are designed to directly confront and disrupt the status quo, seeking to initiate broader revolutionary change. In these modern movements, the essence of propaganda by deed, initiating action to inspire wider change, is adapted to contemporary challenges. They may not always mirror the overtly dramatic or violent actions of the past, but they share the objective of catalyzing significant societal transformation. These groups understand that lasting change often requires more than policy adjustments. It demands a fundamental shift in societal norms and structures. This evolution reflects a nuanced understanding of how to apply the principles of propaganda by deed in today's world. It demonstrates that while the tactics may change, the underlying goal of instigating profound societal change remains a central tenet of these modern revolutionary movements. As we conclude our journey through the history and evolution of propaganda by deed, we've seen how this concept, rooted in the heart of anarchism, has traveled across time and borders, adapting to different socio-political landscapes while retaining its core ethos. From its emergence in late 19th century Europe, through its varied manifestations in the Americas, to its nuanced adaptations in Asia and beyond, propaganda by deed has been both a mirror and a catalyst of the times. We've seen figures like Errico Malatesta, Emile Henry, and Leon Cholgos, each embodying different facets of this strategy, and we've witnessed how its principles have influenced modern movements striving for systemic change. Today, the legacy of propaganda by deed continues to resonate in contemporary activism. While the tactics have evolved, often embracing nonviolent forms of direct action, the underlying intent to provoke revolution remains as relevant as ever. This exploration underscores the dynamic nature of political strategies and the importance of adapting methods to the specific needs and contexts of the time. Propaganda by deed, in all its complexity, Serves as a reminder of the power of direct action in shaping public discourse and societal structures. It challenges us to consider the ethical implications of our tactics and the broader impact of our actions on the pursuit of social and political change. As we move forward, the lessons and debates surrounding propaganda by deed will undoubtedly continue to influence and inform the strategies of those who seek to challenge the status quo and envision a more just and equitable world. world As we mark a significant milestone at A Radical Guide, I'd like to take a moment to celebrate our sixth anniversary this week on January 27th. Six years of exploring, sharing, and supporting radical history, places, and people worldwide. Thanks to our incredible community, it's a journey that's been both enlightening and inspiring. On this special occasion, I'm reaching out to each of you, our listeners and supporters, with a few ways to help us celebrate and continue our journey. First, consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Your support is crucial in helping us sustain and grow a Radical Guide. If you're already with us, share our Patreon with friends and your network, spreading the word about the work we do. Another great way to join in our celebration is by sharing a post from A Radical Guide with your friends and network. Let them discover the rich content and stories we've brought you. And finally, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, A Radical Guide. Your subscription helps us reach a wider audience and share the radical stories that matter. I'd also like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our current Patreon members. Your support fuels our mission and makes all of this possible. A big shout out to a radical supporter, Juniper, community supporter, Michael D.K., and our radical influencers, Tara Ingram, Fernanda Lugo, and Alfonso Saldana. Your contributions, engagement, and belief in our project are deeply appreciated. As a radical guide enters its seventh year, we're grateful and excited about what lies ahead. With your continued support, we'll keep uncovering and sharing the stories of resistance and radical movements from around the globe. Thank you for participating in this journey, your engagement, and your support. Here's to many more years of exploring radical history together. Let's go! As we bring this episode of A Radical Podcast to a close, I want to thank you all for joining us on this deep dive into the history and evolution of propaganda by deed, its global impact, and the reflections on its legacy and modern interpretations. Today's journey through the multifaceted world of radical movements and ideas has been both enlightening and thought-provoking. We've traversed different eras and continents, exploring how the principles of direct action and resistance have shaped and been shaped by various social and political contexts. Our exploration underscores the dynamic nature of radical activism and its enduring relevance in our pursuit of a more just and equitable world. As we celebrate the sixth anniversary of a Radical Guide, we're reminded of the importance of understanding our past to navigate our future. Each story, each movement, and each individual we've discussed today contributes to a richer understanding of the world we live in and the changes we aspire to make. We invite you to continue this journey with us, engage with our content, support us on Patreon, share our stories, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Your involvement is crucial in keeping the spirit of radical exploration alive. Thank you to our Patreon supporters and everyone who tunes in, shares our content, and joins in the conversation. Your support and engagement make a radical guide, a thriving community of learning and resistance. Until our next episode, keep exploring, keep questioning, and remember that pursuing knowledge and understanding is a radical act. Thank you for listening to A Radical Podcast. And remember to follow ideas. Not people. Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guide, it's time to make changes, bringing interviews and radical education. Yeah, yeah, a better future, what we really need, not rooted in capitalism or supremacy. Yeah, yeah, trust you don't want to miss it. We bring the truth right to you the past, present, and future. Let's go. A radical guide, that's what this is, highlighting the diverse world of resistance. Let's go.